Welcome to the Retire Notes podcast series. I'm Bruce Manners, the author of Retirement Ready and founder of the retirenotes.com website. Today I'm in conversation with Joanne Earl. Joe is an associate professor and retirement researcher at Sydney's Macquarie University. Welcome, Joe, and thank you for being available. Well, thanks very much for the invitation to talk about my research, Bruce. What created the initial interest in studying about retirement? Well, I didn't always study retirement. I started off actually having a look at career paths of graduates. And then I started having a look at what was being done for mature workers. And I realised that there was a bit of a disparity, the focus being on new graduates as opposed to older workers. And I thought, what a waste of talent and opportunity. So I moved my research agenda to start looking at career paths towards the back end of careers and that led me into some conversations with people in finance about the transition from work to retirement and that's how how it all started. Mm. Yeah, good. Any regrets about the change? No, not at all. It's a fascinating area and I think that there's a lot more work to still do in the area. I've been working on this in this area since about 2007 and there's mm-hmm. some of my other colleagues who've been doing the same, but we, we are seeing some growing interest, which is fortunate. Okay, what kind of studies have you been involved in, Joe? Well, most of the studies I've been involved in have been designing measures to help people to track their retirement planning. Also, identifying some of the factors that predict retirement planning and adjustments so that we can re-engineer those and get people to work, start working on them earlier. Okay. And also designing interventions to improve retirement planning. So mostly longitudinal design studies that take place over time so that we can track changes in behaviour. All right, longitudinal. How long are these studies going on for? Well, some of the studies that we've been doing have been uh, nearly three years long. We're collecting data for a study this year that's in the third wave and previous studies we've collected data over three waves to see if whether or not the factors that we're identifying genuinely predict as opposed to just looking at it within a cross-sectional sample. And the longitudinal research unfortunately takes a lot longer to do but gives us much more thorough results. Yeah, it does take longer. Hey, I've heard you talk about a holistic model to retirement. Why do you think there's so much emphasis on finances? Let's start with that question. Well, I just think it's one of the easiest things to measure, isn't it? That's true. And articulate as goal setting, you know, focus on income. How much money should you have for retirement? And that all-important number, I think sometimes it's just a way of simplifying the retirement experience into numbers. Yes. Are there dangers in focusing just on numbers, on the income? I absolutely think there are. Yeah, I think there is. And I've been trying to encourage this more holistic approach to retirement yes. that takes a, you know the broader view. It's not just how much money you'll need, but what you're going to do, because that will determine to some extent how much money you'll need. Even if you consider things like workplace exit, for example. Sure. Not just deciding when you're going to leave, but why are you going to leave? Having a look at broader aspects of things like health, housing, social networks, all of those things will have an impact on finances anyway. But if you just look at the numbers alone, yes. you could be missing some really important planning decisions about what's the optimal time to leave work, for example. Sure. Can you just go back to why? I'm not sure I've ever heard that question asked about retirement, why you're retiring. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I think sometimes we have this 
idea in our head about the timing of our retirement that's based around a number like 60 or 65. You never really hear about people saying, I'm going to retire when I'm 61 and a half. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm going to retire when I'm 64 and a half. It's always around numbers and it's always, I think, based around the old compulsory retirement ages that we used to have before age discrimination. So people think about 65 as the time to leave work and also to as it's close to when they're able to access pensions for example they think they might swap out their income at work to a pension but you know in reality not everyone will do that and a lot of people will aim to be self-sufficient and not to rely on the pension at all so the 65 becomes even more random sure understand that let's get back to the holistic approach what are you thinking about there what are you talking about Well, I think that it's important to think about these sort of six buckets of resources to have for retirement. This is what I've been testing in my research and also designing some intervention materials about. But there's finances, of course. Everyone knows that wealth is a good predictor of retirement adjustment. But equally important is health. And health includes being able to be fit and mobile, to be able to get up and access the things, go to places you want to go. Mm-hmm. Social is really important as well because of social networks and the importance that they create for insulating against, you know, life's sort of little pitfalls. Yes. Cognition in terms of being able to learn new things, problem solve, troubleshoot. Emotional in terms of being able to be remain positive and being aware of what your own emotions are and the emotions of other people around you. And then lastly, motivational, which is continuing to set goals. A lot of people think that retirement planning stops when you retire, but in fact, it needs to continue on during retirement. Can I just talk a little bit about how and why I think these things matter together? Sure, please. So if we take the example of health, for example, Mm. health's important because it's likely to predict when you're going to exit the workforce. Okay. About 20% of men will leave the work prematurely because of ill health. And even if you do retire and you've made a decision around, you know, an arbitrary retirement age based on the amount of money that you've got available, if you're not well during retirement, then your resources, your financial resources will be extinguished due yes. to ill health. Over time, you'll lose lose money out of that nest egg that you've put aside. Sure. So when people think about planning for retirement, they'll talk about planning for their finances, but I, I, I'd like to see more people planning equally for maintaining their good health because they're so symbiotic. Yes. The other important pillar in this, and I put it under social, is housing because housing is one of the biggest single predictors we've got of poverty in Australia. Okay. And as you probably know, ARP will publish recommendations for comfortable and modest lifestyles. Yes, yes. Well, you better explain what ARPA is. Yes, so ARPA is the Prudential Regulatory Authority and they publish what they believe to be modest and comfortable lifestyle limits and how much people and will need as individuals and couples. And I can't remember what the exact figures are at the moment for those, but you could certainly look them up. In any case, the model itself won't make accommodation for things like home ownership. Yes. No, it doesn't say as part of your $25,000 or $27,000 that you would have to live on during the year that you're going to have to pay $500 a week out of that as rent. Yes. And even if you do get some rent 
relief, there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to find housing available in that low-cost range. So, you know, housing is a really important consideration. And when people are thinking about finances and how much they need for retirement, they'll need to take into consideration the fact that the rent will still need to be paid, but there's no replacement income. Yes, the rent or the mortgage. Absolutely. And also what's important is that, you know, where you live depends or determines your social connections and networks. Yes. And if you've got to move and setting up new ones and leaving all those established ones behind, then that can have other consequences like social isolation, for example. So, you know, I think thinking about finances alone is a too narrow a perspective for all of those reasons. Yes, and I guess some people will shift if they don't own a home, if they still have a mortgage to find a cheaper place to live. Is that what happens? Quite possibly, but I think also what happens is if people leave a market yes, and then they go and downsize, they'll lose money during the transaction from stamp duty, for example, and then they'll have a smaller next egg to try to buy back into the market that they were in, and that can create difficulties as well, particularly if the market's already shifted while they've been away. Yeah, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. All right, so you've given us six buckets. Is there any one that you would say is the most important? I would have to say health. I think that's the most important of all. Okay. Just mainly because the money that you've amassed can be quickly drained in the absence of wealth creation or mounting bills. And you do hear, I constantly hear stories of people saying things like, when we retire, we were planning on walking the wall of China. Sure. But they leave it too long or the reason that they've had to leave work is because of ill health and then they don't feel like they've got the capacity to be able to undertake that journey anymore. And I think that's a bit of a shame, really, that prevents people from doing all the things that they want to do. But also, too, if they retire in poor health, then that will have consequences just in terms of how easy or difficult it is for them to be able to connect socially and to undertake their pleasant activities they've been looking forward to. And I guess if they wanted to go back to work, health is bad. It's not an option. Well, that's right. And we do know, and there's good evidence for this, that when people leave the workforce at older age, it is more difficult to get back in. Yes, yes. And because of that, you know, people really need to think about that exit date because it might potentially be quite a difficult undertaking to find the right job for the right income. Exactly. So health is important. A lot of people are forced to leave the workforce, aren't they? Because of health. They are. That's right. It's, it's reliably been one of the top three reasons why people leave work when you look at things like the multi-purpose household survey. Yes. So it's reliably one of those things that will force people out of work unexpectedly in about 20% of men, less for women, but more for men. But I, I do think that that's another reason why it would be worthwhile focusing on people maintaining good health as well as amassing the small fortune that they plan to spend the rest of their life living on. Yes. If only we could all have that small fortune, hey. <laughs> well, that's right, yeah. And uh, and at the same time, though, you, you might be in a better position if you've got less money but better health. <laughs> that's true. Is that true? Mm. That's true. So is this holistic, this whole-of-life approach becoming more accepted? Well, I look, I think it's gaining some traction. I think mainly because a lot of advisors have seen people go into retirement and not potentially enjoying it as much as they could. But I also think that it's important to progress research in this area. I've been very fortunate to secure some funding through um, 
Alliance Retire Plus and they're funding a project at uh, Macquarie University to help us to unpack some of these different elements around career, finances and health. And I think that financial advisors are looking at better ways of providing services to clients. So, you know, other examples we've had has been of Avant Medical Insurance who've been sponsoring projects with doctors, for example, to get them to think about um, beginning to plan ahead and what they would like to do beyond the job that they're doing as a doctor. So, you know, I think there's different pockets of people who are starting to pay attention to the area and think about ways that that holistic planning can be executed. Yes, so I'm hoping that over the next um, 12 to 18 months we'll be able to unpack that and get some better answers and look at some testing out some interventions to help people to do the planning in that way. Okay. I'm just curious if you've got the results already of some of it. Do doctors have the emphasis right? They should know something about health. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, to be honest, the thing that keeps doctors most at work from the research we've been done, and this has been published in the Medical Journal of okay. Australia, if anyone was interested in accessing that article, they can easily do that via the internet because it's an open access article. Okay, but good. two of the main reasons that keep doctors at work for longer is work centrality, that is how important it is to be a doctor. Yes. And then secondly, finances and being able to... Um, have enough money to comfortably retire on. So they're two important reasons that doctors retire. Interestingly, female doctors were doing more to preserve good health than male doctors were, which is the same pattern across the rest of the community as well. So it's a bit of a bloke thing not to worry about it. I think it might be. I think it might be. Based on the research that we've done so far and other studies that I've done as well in retirement planning, not just with doctors but in other areas, yeah, women tend to plan more for good health than men do, which is ironic because men will often retire later as well. So even more reason if they want to plan their workplace exit to start focusing on those health issues. Okay, so are you encouraged or discouraged with the kids? Look, I'm really encouraged at how much interest there's been, John, and I think I'm getting a lot more interest in the sort of research that I do now than, say, five years ago, and I think a lot more understanding. I think the idea is resonating much more easily with people than it was probably five years ago. Um, Actually, one of the early adopters of this research was National Seniors Australia, and I don't know if you've got any listeners who are members of National Seniors Australia, I don't get any money from National Seniors Australia for promoting the site, but if they are members, they can go into the Retirement Readiness Program and what they'll find online is a quiz that I've designed to help people to assess themselves in those different buckets. Okay. And then training modules to help them to think about areas where they might not be planning as much as they could be. So I think if they do the finances module... On the uh, National Seniors Australia website, for example, they'll be able to find out a bit more about the ARPRA recommended income levels, for example, that we just discussed earlier. Okay. Mm. So National Seniors Australia, go to their website and look for what? The Retirement Readiness Program. I think to access the program itself, they'll need to be members of National Seniors. Yes, which they can do. Yeah. So National Seniors sponsored a project about three years ago now where we set up that original quiz. There was a lot of take-up of it, but unfortunately no one was scoring the results. So we set it up as a self-scoring quiz for people to do. Yeah. Okay, one more question. 
Can you answer this question in one sentence? What do you wish people knew about retirement? That it costs a lot more to live comfortably than they imagine. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. Hey, thanks, Joe. I've been talking to Joanne Earle, an Associate Professor and Retirement Researcher at Macquarie University. And thanks to you for listening to this RetireNotes.com podcast.